Good morning, Valley family, and uh, welcome week number two in, in our series that we're calling Unpopular uh, Opinion, kind of looking at uh, r- really the difference between what our culture says and, and, and what God tells us in His Word, uh, that w- how we're supposed to live, the values we're supposed to have uh, as followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, before I get into the message, though, today I want to welcome everybody joining us on our online campus. Let's give it up for everybody on our online campus. Uh, that's only between 400 and 500 people every single Sunday, which is pretty uh, amazing to say the least. And so thank you for making time uh, to be with us. I already want to invite you back next week uh, as we continue this series. We're going to be talking about working for the weekend. You know, did God just, uh, as you saw a little preview there of our uh, Connexus conference that's coming up, uh, so many people think that, that God just uh, gives you a job so you can make some money. Uh, but the reality is uh, he, he puts you where you are so you can make make a real difference. And that's what we're going to be talking about next week. I want to invite you back for that. And then I want to talk to the men real quick. Uh, We have our men's uh, weekend that's coming up. Uh, You you see there on September the 30th to October the 1st. Now listen, guys, my my wife was just kind of encouraging me here on this, especially We, we tried to do like a man night last year and no one signed up until like 24 hours before, but we have caterers and all that, and we had to cancel it. So guys, I know sometimes it's not in the forefront of my, go ahead and sign up. One of my good friends, great pastor from the Atlanta metro area, uh, Andrew Moman is going to be here, uh, and uh, he's got something to say. He leads uh, the most multicultural church in the United States of America. The most multicultural church in the United States of America, there's over 114 different nationalities represented in his church, and it's a mega church. And he's really, he's a man's man. He's got something to say. And, and our theme for the men's weekend is just Friday night, Saturday morning, you go home, sleep in your own bed, because I know a lot of you guys are like, I don't want to sleep in another bed, you know, or anything like that. So Friday night, Saturday morning, and, and the whole theme is free to be men of God. And uh, Andrew's going to bring it, I I assure you that, and uh, we're real excited. He's going to be staying over for Sunday as well, and here's what's going to happen, guys. If you miss the men's weekend, you're going to hear him on Sunday, and like, "Uh, was that recorded? I'd love to hear it. It's not going to be, okay? So don't be one of those. There's three kinds of people in the world, those who make it happen, those who watch it happen, and those who say, what happened? You don't want to be that, like, what happened kind of person. So go ahead and sign up for our men's weekend. And yes, there is going to be a mechanical bull, and we're going to have jousting and all kinds of other stuff as well. It's going to be a great time, man. We're really, really excited about this. So uh, let me just jump into the message today, again, in our series called Unpopular Opinion. Uh, Last week, we talked about fight for them, talk about the next generation. And today, I want to talk about real love. Uh, real love. When you think about the whole, the concept, the idea, God is the one who created love. It, it wasn't, you know, humanity's, uh, uh, you know, idea or, or anything like that. God is the one who created love. And, and that being said, he knows how it works best. And, and so I, I so appreciate Pastor Randy, just even in that time of prayer, closing up worship as he was just sharing what he felt like God was putting on his heart, you know, to, to believe, you know, even if it looks like the marriage is, is falling apart. Because I think today's message is going to really speak to a lot of the issues in these relationships. That's what this series is all about. What God says about your relationships and my relationships, how he really wants them to be healthy. You, you know, uh, God can put back together what maybe even sometimes you and I tear apart. 
And I think it's so important that we let the one who designed relationships define relationships. And that's what this series is really all about. Because real love is, is unconditional. And, and to have that real unconditional love, I'll put it this way, it, it's impossible apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's just impossible. All, all love apart from God is conditional love every, in every way. Only through Jesus Christ and a relationship with him can his love flow in us and through us to those around us. In fact, uh, let, let's look at a real familiar passage of Scripture. You probably hear this, you know, read at weddings oftentimes. I've officiated probably 50 weddings uh, in, in my pastoral career, and almost everyone, without exception, has this passage written, uh, recited in it. The funny thing is, it has nothing to do with weddings. It has everything to do with life and relationships. My notes are on our website. You can follow along. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through 8, it describes what love is really supposed to look like, the God kind of love. Not conditional love, but unconditional love. And it says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, it's not selfish. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Think about that just for a minute, those of you that are married. Yeah, remember back in 1994 what your spouse said? Let it go, that's not love. That's not love. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices in the truth. It goes on and it says, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. So in any relationship that we thought it was, it was love and that relationship failed, it wasn't love. It never fails. It perseveres, it always continues. So, so this, is, this is the kind of love that God wants you and I to experience in all of our relationships. And you say, well, Greg, that's a tall order. It is, that's why we need Jesus. That's why I need Jesus. Maybe you don't to love that kind of way. I do to love that kind of way. It, it takes Jesus. He's the embodiment of all these things. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1 of the Living Bible puts it this way. Let love be your greatest aim. Did, did you know that that's supposed to be the greatest goal that you and I have if you're a follower of Jesus Christ? Love. Let it be your greatest aim that we would love. What, what if Christianity is supposed to be a, a journey what, what if Christianity is supposed to be a process of transformation of God working in our lives and through our lives so that we can love the way God wants us to love those around us? I think Christianity is supposed to be a process. It is supposed to be that transformation that happens in our lives. You know, uh, kind of interesting, I, I came across a study that uh, 100 professionals were asked the question, what is love? And so they decided to ask a group of, uh, uh, that had not been, could I put it this way, kind of like tarnished or biased by the world. So, so they asked 
kids age four through eight. Four to eight years old, what is love? Explain what love is. And so I, I want to read you some of these answers out of the mouth of babes uh, of, of what love is. Ready for this? Uh, Rebecca, age eight. Rebecca, age eight, said, when my grandmother got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore. So my grandfather does it all for her all the time, even when his hands got arthritis too. That's love. Eight, eight years old. Or how about Billy, age four? When someone loves you, the way they say your name is different. You just know that your name is safe in their mouth. How about that? Your name is safe in their mouth. That's Billy, age four. Carl, age five. Love is when a girl puts on perfume and a boy puts on cologne and they go out and smell each other. <laughs> right there, just like. I think Carl might have a little more to learn, you know, uh, something like that. <clears throat> How about Chrissy? Chrissy, age six. Love is when you go out to eat and give somebody most of your french fries without making them give you any of theirs. That's, that's love right there. How about this one? Terry, age four. Love is what makes you smile when you're tired. Four years old. Danny, age seven. Love is when my mommy makes coffee for my daddy and she takes a sip just to make sure it tastes okay ahead of time. That's, that's love. Emily, age eight. Love this. Love is when you kiss all the time. Then when you're tired of kissing, you still want to be together and you talk more. My mommy and daddy are like that. They look gross when they kiss. That's right there. I... I was wondering if that wasn't one of our girls that actually said that growing up there, Susie. Bobby, age seven, love is what, uh, I'm sorry, love is what's with you in the room at Christmas if you stop opening the presents and just listen. Age seven, if you just stop and listen, stop opening presents at Christmas, what's in the room with you, that's love. How about this one? Nika, age six. If you want to learn to love better, you should start with a friend that you hate. Where'd you get an idea like it? Well, Jesus said, love your enemies. That's what he expects of you and me, to love our enemies. Uh, Nika, age six. I think we need some more Nikas around here. How about this one? Noel, age seven. Love is when you tell a guy that you like his shirt, and then he wears it every day. That's, that's... Sorry, I, I, I don't wear the same shirt every day, honey. I apologize for that. Mark, age six. Love is when mommy sees your daddy on the toilet and she doesn't think it's gross. That's, that's, that's real love right there. Real love. That was, uh, that was Mark, age six. And finally, Jessica, age eight. You really should say I love you. And, uh, you really should not say I love you unless you mean it. But if you mean it, you should say it a lot because people forget. Little girl age eight, that's what love is. Just, just really amazing how, could I put it this way, like it seemed like kids get it better than we do as grown-ups. 
Out of the mouth of babes, the Bible says God has ordained praise. That, that, that out of children, that there's a, an understanding. Jesus said, unless you come like a little child to me. I, I think some of us kind of need to get back in touch with that, that, that childlike understanding of love and, and faith in God. God is so, this is such a big deal to God this idea of love. And if we call ourselves followers of Jesus, we need to follow the way that Jesus lived his life. And he lived his life as a life of love. So important to Jesus. Look at Matthew chapter 5, verse uh, 23 and 24, what he said. In Matthew chapter 5, he said, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there. In front of the altar, first go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. What Jesus is saying here is don't give an offering to God and expect that's going to put a smile on his face when you've got something against a brother or sister. You go and make it right because broken relationships hurt the heart of God. Because the clearest definition of who God is, the simplest, most uh, precise definition of who God is, we find in the scripture, and it's just three words, God is love. In other words, love is not what he does, it's who he is, it's the essence of who he is. And when he sees a lack of love in your part or my part as his children, it breaks his heart. God is love. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 9 through 10, the Bible says, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother or sister is still in darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. So, so a sign that we really are living in the light of Jesus Christ is that we love everyone. And the real challenge is especially those are, that are unlovable those that are hardest to love. As Jesus said, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. Matthew 22, Jesus answers a question about what the greatest commandment is. In Matthew 22, verse 35, and it says, uh, one of them an expert in the law, so understand this, he was a religious expert. He wasn't an expert in the love of God. He was an expert in the religious Old Testament law. Big difference, as we've talked about before, between religion and a relationship with Jesus. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Hoping to trap him because if he singled out one, he would make the other, he would diminish the others. Jesus answered him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. It's kind of interesting. You can look at the next verse, verse 40. It says, Jesus goes on and says, on this hang all the law and the prophets. In other words, if, we, if you and I love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, but we don't love our neighbor as ourself, we're sinning. Every single time uh, that word sin, what that literally means, you can define it as this, a lack of love to anyone or anything. It's sin. 
because we're supposed to love him with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And then they asked him, who's our neighbor? And he told the story of the Good Samaritan. In other words, anyone around you that has need, that's who your neighbor is. I think as, as Christ followers, we've kind of forgotten this. Like, I think we've kind of forgotten just what it means to be kind. Just, just being kind to our neighbor. But Jesus said, this is the whole thing, loving our neighbor. Not loving conditionally if they treat us well, but really loving unconditionally with the God kind of love. The God kind of love. It's interesting in the New Testament, uh, is, uh, the New Testament is originally written in a, in a form of Greek. It's not really even spoken today. But, but Greek, where English is a very general language, Greek is a very, very specific language. So, so uh, let, let me explain it this way. Like, uh, we, we have one word for love. And, and I'll say, like, you know, I love one of my favorite restaurants, Mexican restaurant. I love Casa Vallarta. I love Casa Vallarta. And I love my wife. Okay, is Susie and Mexican food on the same level? Like English, we just, like, like we don't, it's just so general, so broad. But isn't it awesome to think about that, that when the time of the New Testament was written, also Hebrew is much more specific in the Old Testament, which is largely written in Hebrew, much more specific than the English language. Greek is even more specific than Hebrew. That, that God chose when those languages were predominant that the scripture would be written. God kind of loved, there's four different words in Greek for love, and they mean four different things. Maybe you've heard this before. The first one is storge. Storge means a natural affection. It's kind of like a fondness for someone or something that really, in terms of Mexican food, it would be more like storge, love. I, I love Mexican, I, I have a fond affection for, natural affection. Next one is phileo. Phileo means friendship. Our, our city in Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, is the city of brotherly love. That's what it means, friendship. And so if you have a friend, uh, maybe even love them like a brother, you, you, you phileo that person. Third one is eros. That means physical attraction, that, that, that there's this chemistry between uh, you and, and someone else doesn't necessarily have to, uh, and, and that's where we get our erotic from, it doesn't necessarily have to be any kind of twisted or, or kind of perverted thing. This is also a God kind of love between a husband and a wife. It's supposed to be this eros attraction love. And, and then finally is agape. And that word agape literally means unconditional love. And this is the way that God loves you and God loves me. In fact, agape is impossible apart from God. It emanates from God and from God alone. That, that's why I say the Bible makes it very clear. If someone doesn't have Jesus Christ in their heart, it's impossible. It is, it is not any, it's, it's impossible for a human being to love someone else unconditionally. It's only through the love of Jesus Christ that we really can love someone else without any conditions placed on it. Agape means an intentional and unconditional expression that chooses to do something caring and helpful regardless of the cost or the consequence to oneself. That's what agape is. It, it, agape, in other words, it has nothing to do with the object of the love. 
It has everything to do with the, 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 the place where that love emanates from, God himself. And so it's to choose something caring and helpful regardless of the cost or the consequences. See, love is giving a person what they need, not what they deserve. That's what real love is. G- giving a person what they need, not what they deserve, not what they've earned, not, not love for good behavior. In fact, Jesus put it this way in John chapter 13, and I think, again, we need to be reminded of his words, so a lot of scripture here today. Jesus said to his followers, a new suggestion I give you. A new option I give you. No, that's not what he said. A new commandment I give you. In other words, Jesus says, to my followers, this is non-negotiable. This is not open to opinions or perspective or subjective you know, views or anything like that. Jesus said to his followers, you and me, a new commandment I give you. Ready? Love one another, and that was the word right there, agape one another. As I have agaped you, so you must agape. You must love one another. And watch this now. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples by your social media political posts. Nope. By your persuasive opinions to prove someone else wrong. No. None of those things. See, I think we've forgotten Jesus as Christians. By this, everyone will know you're my disciples if you agape one another. If you love without any preconceived ideas or requirements, if you love even to your own sacrifice and your own hurt, if you choose to love unconditionally, that's how they're going to know, not by the cross on your neck or the bumper sticker on your car, not, not by your church attendance or anything. like The way they're going to know is by your relationships, by the way that you love And that word is agape by the way that you agape one another. A new commandment. What does that mean? He says, this is unpopular opinion. (laughs) This is an unpopular opinion, a new commandment. This is not what the world says. This is not what our culture says. This is not what our community says. But Jesus says, this is an unpopular opinion. Agape one another just as I agaped you. See, here's the thing about real love. If you're having trouble with people, it might not be a people issue. It may be a God issue. If you're having trouble with your relationships, it may not be those people. It may be your relationship with God that's the trouble. That's the problem. Because when we come into a relationship with God who gives us unconditional love, guess what flows through us to other people? Unconditional love. Agape. 
And so I look around and my relationships are blowing up and, and, and my, my, my marriage is fractured and my, my kids don't want to talk to me and all those things. Maybe the problem's not all the people. Maybe the problem is my relationship with God is suffering. And if I get that aligned rightly, it permeates all those other relationships. Big, big point about real love. There's so much, and we're just scratching the surface today really about love. I mean, the, the Bible is a love letter. It talks about how we're supposed to love over and over all throughout. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 8, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another. That's that word agape again. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and there it is, knows God. That, that, that's, that's, that's one of our key core values in this church. We want everyone to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. It all starts, though. You can't, you can't find freedom, discover purpose, and really make a difference for time and eternity if you don't know God first. And so first and foremost, to know God. And 1 John tells us that for love comes from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. If you know God, you love unconditionally. Whoever does not love does not know God. Why? And there is that statement, the clearest definition of who God is. God is love. He's love. Our, our culture will tell you, our, sometimes religion will tell you, God is anger, God is wrath, God is judgment. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says God is love. That's who he is. And if he ever does anything other than love, it would diminish who he is and he would no longer be God any longer. And love is not what he does. It's the essence of who he is. And it's supposed to be the essence of who I'm growing into as a follower of Jesus Christ and the essence of who you're growing into as well as a follower of Jesus Christ. That we would become more and more loving the longer we walk with him. That's real love. God is love. And when we know him, it flows through us. Ephesians chapter three, verse 17 through 19 it says, I pray that Christ may dwell in your hearts. Paul's prayer for the Christians in Ephesus. I think it's, it's a prayer for you and I as well. I pray that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. That's that word agape. Agape, that you and I are supposed to be rooted and established in the unconditional love of God may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the agape, the love of Christ. And to know this love, this agape, that surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. When, when we come into an understanding of really how God actually does love you, how much he loves you, how much he loves me, that, that it brings a fullness into our life, that that fullness overflows and it touches other people's lives as well. Listen, don't get me wrong. Don't misunderstand. I'm not perfect at this, and I know you're not either. 
but, but this is the expectation. This is the bar that God has set for you and for me. This is what he wants from you. This is what he wants from me. That's why we need Jesus so much because we cannot do this on our own. We need him to, to heal our hearts that have been broken because of the pain and hurt of the past. Maybe other people, maybe their situations, circumstances. Heal our hearts so we can love the way that he wants us to love our neighbor as ourself and all those around us. So let me kind of end uh, this message today. I, I think it's enough. Uh, if you want to know more, uh, let me just refer you in the Bible, Genesis through Revelation, okay? From the front to the back, all about the love of God. But, but let me kind of read to you three different definitions so that we really understand today, and then we'll pray. Here's the unpopular opinion about love, the love that God wants you and I to have. Unpopular opinion says, in terms of love, real love, I've made a decision to do what is best for you, regardless of my emotions or my circumstances. I've chosen to passionately love you, and it isn't based on how I feel about you or how you're performing. I will always endeavor to love you and others with God's love and respond to your failures or that of others in a Christ-like and redemptive manner. That's God's love. That, that, that's what God is looking for from you. That's what God's looking for from me. You know, and I, I just want to say, uh, I, I'm just so thankful. Uh, this past week was the, was the 47th birthday of Valley Christian Church on September the 15th. Well, I think that's worth celebrating for sure. 47 years, and, and I have been beyond blessed, beyond my wildest dreams, 32 years to be the pastor of those, of those 47 years. And, and I've just been so blessed to have surrounded not only my wife that really epitomizes, not perfectly, but she epitomizes this love towards me for the last 32 years, 35 years since we fell in love but also to have so many of you that have been on this journey with me for decades, literally. 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, or more. Just believing in me, just, just loving me. A lot of times when, truth is I couldn't even love myself. See, love changes us. Love transforms us into who it is that God always wanted you and I to be. It's unpopular opinion to love this way, but this is the way he wants you to love. And he wants me to love. The popular opinion, our, our, in our culture around us, the popular opinion of love would say it this way, I've made a decision to love you, but it'll be within the limitations of how I feel combined with the circumstance, uh, with what circumstances will allow. I hope to be able to passionately love you, but it'll depend mainly on if I keep a positive feeling about you and if you keep doing well. I commit to loving you, but 
want you to know that you will pay if you do me wrong. I'm not going to let you take advantage of me, and I will do to you good or bad according to what you deserve based on what you do for me. That's the popular opinion of love, and that is not the love of Jesus Christ, nor the love of God that he wants you and I to extend to others. We looked at the unpopular opinion and even the popular opinion. Let's look at God's opinion of love. What would God say? What does he say about love? God's opinion is, I've made the decision to do what is best for you regardless of emotions or circumstances. I've chosen to passionately love you and it is not based on how I feel about you or how you're performing. I will always love you and respond to your failings with love, with grace, and with redemption. This will never change. So maybe you're here today and if you really kind of take an inventory of your relationships around you, like, man, I'm not even coming close to the love God wants me to have. Well, first of all, I want you to know you're not alone and there's no condemnation here. Secondly, I want you to understand that, that really the best is still yet to come. You haven't blown anything so badly that it can't be healed and restored. Third, I want you to know this, there's no way you can do it on your own. It takes Jesus. He's the only one. And so what I want to do right now, I, I want to pray. I, I want to pray for those of us that maybe, you know, the Bible talks about we can lose our first love for God, even as a follower of Christ. Maybe some of us have, and, and we need to come on back to that first love. And then I want to pray about that. And then I want to pray for anyone and, and everyone here today, if you've never received the love of Jesus Christ, because you can't love the way he does apart from him. It's only by receiving him as your Savior and Lord that that love is really available to love the way we're talking about today. So I'm going to ask right now, would you bow your heads with me? And let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, for many of us, our hearts have been bruised. They've been broken. They've been battered. And Lord, we're coming to you now for, for healing. Lord, we need you to love us, to, to, to receive your perfect, unconditional love. Not, not the popular opinion about love, but we want to really extend that unpopular opinion about love that, that Jesus demonstrated to us. First, God, we need to receive your love once again. And so, Father, for, for many of us, maybe you've been walking with you for a long time, we're coming back to our first love. God, forgive us for not loving others the way that we should. And God, heal our hurts, our bruised and broken hearts, so that we can love again with that agape love. I'm going to ask right now with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if that's you just saying, I, I need to, I want to love again. I want to love God and love others again the way that I should. I haven't been. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand right now. I want to pray for you specifically. Just raise your hand. Thank you. 
Thank you so much, so many. This moment of honesty. You can go ahead and put your hands down. Father, you saw every one of those hands that represent hearts. God, we're coming back to you. We're asking you to do what only you can do. Heal our hearts, Lord. Shower us, Lord, with your love. That, Lord, we can extend that love and find healing and wholeness and redemption even in our relationships around us. Thank you, Father, for hearing our prayer today. And right now, if you're here with our heads bowed and our eyes closed still, if you're here and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord, the Bible says that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so right now in this this moment of honesty in the presence of God, I'm going to just lead you in a prayer that you can repeat after me even in a whisper. This is between you and God today. And he'll hear and he'll come. And just as we read today, you'll be born again and you'll begin to know him the way that he's known you even before you drew your first breath. Just repeat this prayer with me right now, right where you are. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my lack of love. I turn from my sin today. And Jesus, I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. Lead me, guide me, direct me from this day forward. By your Holy Spirit, help me to love the way that you have always loved me. And I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.